Michael Smith, episode 28 of the Canes cast. You know what that means? It's a tight ad. It is episode 28 of the Canes cast, so keeping in with Michael Smith's thought, who is the web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. Are you sure I'm TV or are you sure I'm not print? Oh, I think you're TV. I think I saw you on TV yesterday. Yeah, I was told I'm a writer. So yesterday, because this is Monday, February the 5th, the day after uh, the big game. Yeah. Or yeah. something like well, that. San Jose did play well, and oh, the Hurricanes yeah, by admittance did not. So you called it a tie, Dad. Let's clean it off. Let's oh. move on. <laughs> wow, what a segue. You like that? Let's make it sparkly clean. Well, well I'm a columnist, so I have a way with words, my good yes. friend. I, well, you're writing something down right now. You're, you're getting a head start. Um, let's go ahead. <laughs> let's go ahead and I guess uh, talk about that game and just talk about what's happened with the Hurricanes these past few games. Because as we do on this podcast, we like to to look back. Um, sure. You know, since the last time we got together and got behind a microphone, and then we like to look ahead because uh, this is a weekly thing, and it, it makes sense to do that. So, since the last time we talked, um, the Hurricanes have played. What, a few games? Three, I think, if my math is correct. I believe it would be four. Or four. Um, I've got the math for you right here, Mike. Yeah, it's, it's four. This is what they've done. They played Ottawa, Montreal, Detroit, and San Jose. Yeah. So Two wins and two losses. Right. And, and so that was the thing going into Sunday's game is, yes, the Hurricanes played poorly on the second half of back-to-back, but you take it for what it is, the second half of back-to-back, and it's an opportunity to go to three and one on the homestand. The unfortunate part is then what occurred yesterday at approximately 1 p.m. Eastern to about 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and that's um, – it, it's one game of 82, you know, as, as we talk about. But I think the concerning part is um, it was a game in which the Hurricanes were – could have sought revenge on a team that, that, that really – Handed him a crushing loss. Well, in stole early one December. from him. We yeah, could say stole that. one from him. Um, robbed Cam Ward of his 300th victory, which of course he got later in that road trip. We're speaking of in early December when the Hurricanes went out west. Uh, Cam Ward had a chance to get his 300th win in San Jose, but the Sharks uh, twice. Well, they didn't erase two goal defs or uh, three goal deficits twice, but the Hurricanes twice had three goal leads. The Sharks obviously came back to tie it, won it in overtime, five four. And then it was a chance also for the Hurricanes to respond from that 4-1 defeat at the hands of the Detroit Red Wings on Friday. You wanted to see something that you didn't see on Friday. You wanted to see some some emotion. You wanted to see the team skate. You wanted to see the team play to its potential, play to what we've seen uh, from them at times throughout the season, and it just wasn't there. Well, I think the disappointing thing to me about Sunday – was because that game backed up the Detroit game. I was expecting to see a little fire and brimstone. I was expecting to see a little bit more emotion, physical engagement, whatever you want to call it, whatever the guys in the locker room have said. And they said the right things after the game yesterday, those who have have talked, and they were all available today, and they were all uh, very, I don't want to go, talkative to the line of like, hey, they were chippy, and, and or I should say happy, but they were willing to talk about what happened and moving forward, it's what they have to do. But it's the fact that the Detroit game, they got outworked by the Red Wings. The Red Wings just, it's going to happen. You play yeah. 82 games, there's going to be a game where the opponent outworks you. I guarantee you there has been a game where the Canes outwork their opponents 
and their opponents are answering, well, what happened to our team? How could that happen? It's going to happen. But to back it up with a performance on Sunday afternoon that just was listless, that's the only word that I could come up with, that's the confusing thing for me because the Canes haven't done that this year. They haven't put together back-to-back performances of like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? They've answered a lot of bells after being blown out in games. They've come right back, and they've had a big win on the road in Nashville. They finished up that road trip really strong that we were talking about out west where that tough loss in San Jose happened, and now you all of a sudden get a big win in Vegas. Then they beat Buffalo, and then they come right back and play the game the next night after that, and I don't know how many times we've used that as a reference point. So we've seen them answer the bell. This was the first time this year that I look at and say, man, they didn't answer the bell after a tough performance the other night. Yeah, and one of the few times, perhaps really the only time this year, where you can look at the 60 minutes as a whole and question the effort. Yeah, The effort just wasn't there. I mean, head coach Bill Peters said it yesterday. He said it today. The effort didn't change overnight. It is what it was, and it was not there. It wasn't great. Uh, and so the Hurricanes, more than anything, just have to come out Tuesday and put forth some effort, put forth some emotion, some fight. Vitally important, you know, discarding the opponent, uh, that's huge. It's Philadelphia. It's a Metropolitan Division opponent that the team hasn't seen yet this season. Discarding that entirely, you just want to see this this team come out and put forth 60 minutes that is vastly different from the 120 minutes that we've seen previously. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to see that on Tuesday night. I'll be shocked if we don't see that, depending on when you're listening to this edition of the Canes Cast, episode 28, where Michael Smith and I are not in a tight ad. This is actually the Canes Cast, episode 28. That we know of. Uh, David Harbour could appear at any moment. If he does, I will be okay with that. Stranger things. Ooh. Well done. Good (laughs) tease. Tying it all back in. You talk about me being able to weave things in. Good segue there. But Bill Peters said it today after practice. He is really looking forward to what's going to happen when his team takes the ice against the Philadelphia Flyers. So if you're listening to this later today here on Monday or Tuesday, this is before the game, I'm going to be anxious to see what happens on Wednesday. Oh, and by the way, if you hear any noise in the background, that's construction being done here at PNC Arena. Going to be a little change to the start of the game for the Carolina Hurricanes, I believe, on Tuesday night. We'll just hint at that. I don't think we're fully engaged to tell you what is going on, but we can see it. It's a tease. That's it. You'll see it Tuesday night. Yeah. But that's what I expect. I expect the Hurricanes to answer the bell and come out, and they have to because the Flyers are going to look at this game. Justin Falk said it to us a little bit earlier today. Michael, I don't know if you were – I think you were talking to somebody else in the locker room at the time, but Justin Falk came out and said, we're looking at – This game, it's a chance for us to get in the playoffs. The Flyers are looking at this game as it's a chance to put separation between them and a team trying to catch them. This is a playoff game. Derek Ryan told me, yeah, it's basically been a playoff game since in Montreal. It's a playoff game on Tuesday night. So let's see where the intensity is going to be at and what they have to do. But I still have questions for this team, especially, Mike, five-on-five. Where has the scoring gone five-on-five for this team? And they've got to come up with the answers. And I don't know if it's – Uh, if the answers are all there for how they play being schematically or if it's an effort thing or maybe and I'll give you the easiest answer it's both you know at some point this team has got to find a way to do the little things within the system that get them to the places they need to go to score goals there are a lot of questions right now and I think one of the biggest ones that that uh, head coach Bill Peters proposed to us today um, was just asking the team who they are 
Uh, it's, you know, a question, uh, the who, uh, once famously asked, who are you? Because um, I really want to know. And head coach Bill Peters really wants to know. And, you know, it, it, it's simple. You have 29 games left. What team are we going to see? What Hurricanes team are we going to see in the next 29 games? Are we going to see a determined young team that – uh, that that plays well enough to work its way into playoff position and and break that playoff drought. That I know there are countless numbers of of people uh, in the locker room in the front office that would like to see that happen. Countless numbers of fans that would love to see that happen. Are we going to see that team, or are we going to see a team that's that's just not quite there yet? And I think that's that's really the question that Peters is is challenging his club with and. He said it today, too. He touched on it a little bit, is the frustrating part is he believes, and I think there is a belief there that this team is good enough to get into the playoffs. And so it's a question now of if they can go out and perform. And, and you mentioned what Justin Falk said and, and the opportunity for the Hurricanes to get into the playoffs or the opportunity for the Flyers to create separation. The crazy thing about all of this, we're talking about two games in a, in a span of, of 82, the Hurricanes are a point out of a playoff yeah. spot right now. I mean, that's that's something we all have to remember here on February 5th is that the Hurricanes, with a win over Philadelphia on Tuesday night, uh, depending on what happens tonight, who's in action, who's playing who, could conceivably jump above that playoff cut line into a playoff spot. And so that's I think that helps put things in perspective because as disheartening as – um, maybe emotionless as this last 120 minutes of hockey has been for the Hurricanes, they're still a win away from putting themselves back in a position uh, uh, to be successful. So it's it's right there for the taking, and, and the challenge now is to put it together and take it. Well, there's only two teams with direct impact playing on Monday the 5th that would affect the Hurricanes' playoff status, and that's the New York Rangers – who are a point behind the Carolina Hurricanes and are, I guess, now active sellers, according to Bob McKenzie, as he's put out there on his Twitter that they're looking to, and they've asked Rick Nash for his what teams would he be traded to, so his limited no-trade clause. Is that a rumor? Uh, no, that is not a rumor. That's confirmed that's by fact. Bob McKenzie. Yes, that's confirmed. Hashtag now the, fact. The 12 teams that he's willing to go to, we don't know, but Bob McKenzie said more than likely a Stanley Cup contender, which that's usually how that works. And the New York Islanders are at home against the Nashville Predators, where if the Islanders win, they will move three points in front of the Carolina Hurricanes. So that's where we're we're at as far as the points and the standings and the impact of it coming into tonight. Just want to make sure I double-check my math, and I'm right on that. And so, so and to, to also, you know, not to belabor all the points about the standings and, and, and games against divisional opponents, but the Hurricanes do have – uh, four games left against Philadelphia Flyers. They've yet to begin their season series. They've also yet to begin their season series against the New Jersey Devils. The second-place New Jersey Devils. Odd to say, but only six points behind them. That's eight games. That's 16 points. Those are huge swings, um, huge games. And it begins on Tuesday against Philadelphia because if the Hurricanes can can uh, can snag two points in regulation, that's a four-point swing. That's a, a standing shift. That's big. That's and the Hurricanes have to, to have to rise up to that challenge. Ten of the twenty nine games that are left, actually twelve of the twenty nine games are left, are against Metro Division opponents. Four against Jersey, four against Philly, two against the Rangers, two against the Islanders. You win the majority of those games, 
you're not only leapfrogging teams in front of you, you're putting teams or at least a team right now that's behind you, further behind you. And that's what this league comes down to. It comes down to when you get those key matchups, finding a way to get a W. I don't want to say that this is going to creep back up into play, but something that might be creeping into play, might be, is the Atlantic Division. If Detroit or Florida, I can't say Montreal, but if one of those teams gets hot, like gets on a run, like if Detroit becomes the better team and they start getting three points off of Florida, Ottawa, Buffalo, Montreal, you know what I'm saying? That they can find themselves back into it, but they're still three wins behind the Hurricanes just to tie them in the standings right now. But just something that's in the periphery. But you've got to keep those teams in the distance. You can't give them hope. And the Canes have another game with Detroit remaining where you'll get to go visit the Pizza Box, Little Caesars Arena for oh, the yeah. first time and enjoy it. It's a great place. But, look, let's get to the question then that, that Bill Peters asked. Who are the Hurricanes? And I'm going to give you an ambiguous answer if you'll allow me to. Sure. This isn't That's if you fair. like it. It's, this is an ambiguous answer. That's fair. On any given night, the Carolina Hurricanes look like a playoff team, and on other nights they look like a team that has no identity. When you're trying to figure out who are they, if I showed you any any film of the Detroit and San Jose games, the last two games here in this building, PNC Arena, you'd be like, ooh, you sure that's a playoff team? And then I could show you the third period against Ottawa, the complete game against Montreal, the first period against Montreal. I can show you select games this year, and you'd be like, this team in first place? Because that's they have the ability. Now it's just getting to it every single night. And the one thing that this team has consistently been, Michael, this year is inconsistent. If they can just put it together for six, seven games, especially this stretch. We thought it was set up here with the, this homestand, this eight-game homestand. And there's still time. And there's still time. There is. They're, but they're two and two on the homestand right now. They put themselves in a position where you have to win three of the next four to say, okay, this was a really good homestand for this team. Yeah. And that's where they're at. And there's some tough games that are left. You know, the Kings game is going to be a tough game. Philadelphia tomorrow night's going to be a tough game. Colorado all of a sudden remembered how to play hockey. And they've been very good. In Vancouver, I don't want to sleep on because we saw what happened in Vancouver this year. There was a 3 nothing shutout win for the Canucks. So this was set up. But this stretch right now, these four games, when Bill Peters asks who is his team, like he said today at the, the press conference after practice, he's going to find out. And I think these four games are going to show the identity of the Carolina Hurricanes. And I am anxious to see because I believe they're the playoff team. That's their identity. I believe that. But they got to go and show it to us. What was the movie with uh, James Franco where he cut his arm off? Was that 129 hours? Something along I those lines. I think it was. I did not watch no, that. No, it, <laughs> it was 127 hours. I was close. But this is 29 hours. The what? Hurricanes have 29 hours left to figure out if they're a playoff team or how not. About, how about we go with an Ed Norton movie? It's the 25th hour. Decide what you're going to do. Good movie, by the way. There you go. So. And, and, and that's what it comes down to. The Hurricanes have 29 60-minute segments, perhaps more in some cases, to to figure out where they fit in in the standings. Uh, people also ask us all the time, are we seeing any changes with the Hurricanes? What's going to happen here? From practice today, there was one change that we noticed, but we've seen this happen a lot in practice. It doesn't always carry over to the game. Then we see certain things in practice that we think for sure is going to happen, like a line that stayed together in practice, and then they're split up by face-off the next night or later on that night from the morning skate. But Elias Lindholm was working at center again today. 
I want to see it. Uh, I think that yeah. he is built to be a center now. He is big enough to handle the 200-foot game. Michael, I think his passing ability is underrated as far as what he can do. Just watch him on the power play where he's got good vision. He's able to get the puck to the players where they need to to score. So let's see him play center. I am I want to see him in the middle and not just for a shift or two. Let's see if that works out because I think that will really change the dynamic of this club if he can play in the middle. Yeah, I'm not sure um... – you know everything we saw in practice today, and we saw a lot of different things. Too. Oh yes, um, I'm not obviously we're not going to see it all tomorrow because guys were uh, sort of shifting in and out. They were swapping places, um, and so we, it was a chance to get a look at a lot of different things. Uh, Peters kind of used a, a cryptic analogy in in the <laughs> in the talk with him after practice. Um, but um, you know whether the Hurricanes shuffle the lineup or or whether they, they bring in reinforcements. I think just the one thing that you want to see from him on Tuesday is, is more fire, uh, more complete effort, more compete, uh, playing for one another. I mean, all, all these, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, they're probably cliches, but at the end of the day, that's what you want to see. You want to see your leaders lead by example. Yep. You want to see um, this team just put its best foot forward and just get back to doing the things that make them successful. That's been absent uh, these last two games, for the for the most part, there might have been you know a shift here and there. Um, the play of Sebastian Ajo on on Sunday against San Jose was notable. Uh, Brock, Brock McGinn, McGinn brought some fire both in his hair and in his fight. Um, he was ready. He he was. You're welcome. Um, and, and and he's one to bring that physicality. And I I thought you know maybe that fight. Uh, with Brendan Dillon was going to spark the club, and they got the power play afterwards and, and just couldn't convert. And that was sort of the story of the whole game. You look at Sebastian Ajo's game-tying goal in the first period. They had not played a good first period up until that point. They're the benefactors of a turnover, and the Hurricanes capitalize on that to their credit. But then they're not able to ride that momentum because before the period's even over, the Sharks regain their one goal lead, and it's 2-1. So it, it was just... It, you know, little things here and there that were emblematic of, of what this team does well, but it just didn't add up to enough. Um, obviously fell very short of that, uh, and that's that's the result you got. So, uh, you know, going forward, we just uh, you just want to see from this team more of what's made it successful in the past, and it's, it's up to the, the 23 players in that locker room, and we'll get back to that number here in a minute, some of the questions we got, but the 23 – in the locker room are going to be relied upon. They're the ones who have to answer. They're the ones who have to, to go out on the ice uh, and figure out what kind of team they are. That That's the question. Yeah. Who is this team? And I think we're going to find out soon enough. Yeah, we'll find out Tuesday night. And, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because the identity will reveal itself for this team. And I believe there's enough character and there's enough talent for that identity to, to shine through because they're, they've got to answer the bell. They're, there's no more – well, we've got time. 29 games left, Michael Smith. That's it. And, and it goes by fast. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's, what, February already. Yeah. Um, and considering that and considering the opponents, I would expect to see uh, as close to a, a playoff-like game as you're going to see uh, so far this season because you, you're going to have two desperate teams, two teams that are going to want those two points, um, and you have a Hurricanes club that's, uh, you know, perhaps the most vulnerable perhaps the most uh, maybe angry that it's been this entire season. Uh, and it, sh it should uh, lead up to a good game. Yeah, and that's what I want to see. I want to see this team play angry or with a chip. 
That doesn't mean you go out and fight anybody entering this into the 1970s and we're going to have a brawl. Yeah, I don't know if we'll see a repeat of the the Hurricanes-Panthers game earlier this year. No, but, but you never know. They're very good when, when called upon to answer that kind of game. Right. And maybe I want to see a little bit more of that being initiated by the Hurricanes. You know, don't react to a physical game. Enact the physical game. Start right off of the opening face-off. You know, throw the body around a little bit. A good body check. Smart plays. I'm not saying go headhunt people. Right. Nothing cheap, but just play a good hard game. And they're capable of doing that. And when they do, they are a tough team to beat. We hear it all the time. Hear the opposition say, man, they're fast. And when they're fast and hitting people, they become a tough team to play against. Now it's just a matter of finding a way to, to execute, do what they have to do in order to come up with a win. That being said. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Beautiful. So that being said, this is what I've got for you. There are 29 games left. The amount of points that I think that the Hurricanes need out of these 29 games to make the postseason, and this is, I, I think this guarantees it, is 94. They've got 56 right now. They have to get 38 points out of their remaining 29 games. That is just, I'll do the quick math, 18, 9, and 2. I'm not going to do the, you know, 19 and 10 because that'd be easy to get to it. But like an 18, 9, and 2 mark, that's what they have to get to. So the margin of error is slim. Are you going to take that that's the number? You're going to take it? Take you're that send 94 it is the number? Yeah. or Okay. That they need 38 points. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. Um, I think that's... If it's not, I don't see it being less. I don't see this being a year where like 91, 92 gets you in. Yeah. I think that 94 even, is a difference maker. Even there. still, even if it is 92, 93, you're only talking about a win, you know, a, yeah. an overtime. Like it, the margin of error, as you said, is is extremely thin. And and to play to to that, uh, you know, watermark 18, 9, and two, that's uh, it, not that this team can't do it. It's just can this team do it? over that period of time that they're going to need to do it. I mean, 29 games um, doesn't seem like a lot, but you're still talking about – oh, I've just boxed myself into a corner of, of math. You're still talking about, what, uh, over a quarter of the season left? Yep. So, uh, you know, it, to be able to, to string that sort of performance together over that period of time, while not impossible, is, is going to be tough. But if this team is going to be a playoff team, which I think we both agree that – that it has the capability to, then they're going to have to play to that to that uh, to that standard. So I, I'm going to take it because I think 94. Um, if it's not at 94, it's not going to be too far off from it. You know, 95, 93, 96, maybe 92. I, it's it's not going to vary a whole lot, especially when you have all of these metropolitan division teams playing each other coming down the stretch. Everybody's going to be getting points. And that's what it's, uh, you know, ultimately going to come down to. Well, here's why I think it's that and why this homestand is ultimately really important for this club to make the postseason. When this homestand is over, the Carolina Hurricanes will have 25 games left. They will have 12 at home, 13 on the road. So you've got to get in these next four games, like we said, three wins. They have to win, go on three-game winning streaks. We'll make this as easy as I possibly can for the folks six times. They need six three-game winning streaks out of the 29. And if they can do that, there's your 18 wins and you're set up. But you, you just can't have – you can't put a four- or five-game losing streak together because then that 
that really condenses. It compresses what you have to do. Then you go on. Now you need a four-game winning streak instead of a three-game winning streak. So that's where it stands right now for this club. If they can get there, we'll see. But then they'll have 25 games left, one more on the road. What you got to hope for is when I look at the, the road schedule that is left, you're hoping that you're playing teams that don't have any kind of playoff implication. Well, you've got on the road. Will you indulge me? Thank you. Yes. You got to go to New Jersey twice, as we told you. Philadelphia twice, as you already know. But they've got to go to Boston. They've got to go to Chicago. They've got to go to Minnesota. They have to go to Washington. They've got to go to Madison Square Garden, where that has not been a fun place for this team to play uh, the past few seasons. Ottawa, meh. Can we talk about relocation for the Ottawa Senators? People aren't going to the – what, no? Mm. That's just me. Mm, Sorry. Sorry. Maybe later on. I think you started a rumor. Oh, did I? I'm <laughs> sorry. I didn't realize I worked for any kind of Quebec radio station. I am a writer, though. Bonjour. <laughs> Au revoir. Okay. So that's it. And then you've got just assorted games with Florida, the Islanders that are still in there, and uh, like we told you, New Jersey. So this is – that's the road schedule. That's tough. Boston's a tough place to try to go get a win right now. Washington's a tough place to go get a win right now. And you, you finish the season at home against Tampa Bay, and you know what you better be hoping for? Tampa Bay's got the number one seed locked up because you don't want them playing for anything on the last game of the season if you need to get into the playoffs. I recall that happening a number of years ago. It did not go in the Hurricanes' favor. Yeah, I recall that too. Yeah. So we'll just – this is we're looking forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not yeah. going that far back. All right, so you're with that. Do you? Uh, I got another sure. one. I got another one. Oh, I've got one too. Ooh, it's an interesting one because um, I was just looking at the numbers, um, doing some quick math in my head. Which wow, is you are dangerous. boxing yourself into that it's math corner dangerous. today. You've already said um, it. <clears throat> here's one. So 28 Chinese algebra. Sebastian Aho, take it or leave it, will score 30 goals this year. He's got 19. I'll take it. And he's got 12 in his last 15. I'll take it. I'll take it. He's going to get a hat trick somewhere before the season's over. So that's going to knock that number down to eight. So eight out of 29 games. Yeah, uh, he'll do it. He'll get 30 goals. Yeah. I, 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 it, it seems, uh, you know, almost – it seems a far goal to reach considering it's it's still 11 and, um, you know, he's, he's just coming off the injury. But it looks like he hasn't missed a step. I mean, he continues to be just a dangerous player each and every night. Um, as I mentioned, he's got 12 goals in his last 15 games. Um, a hat trick is, is certainly not out of the question. If not a hat trick, then I would think he's at least due for two or three multi-goal games. Um, at least two. Uh, three might be a stretch. But I think he can get there. And, and if, that's, if that's the case, um, you know, we already know how bright of a future he has. Um, but if he reaches 30, the 30-goal 30 mark in his, in his second year in the NHL, um, if on, on a team that, uh, as we have said, has struggled to score five on five, uh, that that would certainly be something. I I could see it happening for sure. He's on his way. He's he's on the Canes' best line. Yes, he's arguably the Hurricanes' best player. Probably is the Hurricanes' best uh, player. I think right now, uh, he's the guy who I'm I'm taking a look at and just say, you know, what what does he bring to the table every night? He brings a dangerous, dangerous offensive player to the party at his age and a compete level that's off the charts good. And that's what I like about what he's brought in here. Uh, I got another one for you. If you like it, take you it. Keep it. Yeah, take it. If not, not send it, right, send it back. right back to me. 
when you take a look at, at how the Metro division is stacked right now, that the Stanley Cup representative for the Eastern Conference, as much as we love Tampa, is going to come out of the Metro. I'm talking we got Washington, the Caps, maybe Columbus, maybe the Canes. I'm going to. You can send it back because Tampa is clearly the odds-on favorite. But I'm the more I'm watching it, I think the teams in the Metro are actually equipped to win playoff hockey. And I wouldn't sleep on Boston either. I really wouldn't. Yeah, that that team um, has I, – I, it sounds kind of silly saying they've been quietly good. but I No, mean, they you, have. You have Tampa Bay. You have Washington. Um, you know, Pittsburgh has seen this incredible resurgence over the past, I would say, month. They're 7-3-0 in their last 10. Um, it, Boston, I guess, isn't the, the attractive pick, but I wouldn't sleep on them either. They've only lost 11 games in regulation. And just a, a quick scan – of the NHL standings, and yes, that's the least amount of regulation losses in the league. And remember, they were uh, they were struggling too. And they're the plus forty three goal differential, um, which again, a quick scan of the standings is probably second best to only Tampa Bay. Yes, only second best to Tampa Bay, which has a ridiculous plus fifty three goal differential. Um, you know, the Metro is obviously going to have. Um, they're going to be the favorites to send the representative to the Stanley Cup because they are in all likelihood going to have five uh, teams uh, in the playoffs. Five of the eight are likely going to come from the Metro yep. Division. I, you know, I don't know. I'm I'll since you're uh, keeping it, I'm going to send it back, and okay. I'm going to say, you know, as much as we both love to see the Hurricanes. And, you know, secretly we'll both say that, yes, the Hurricanes will be the Stanley Cup representative. But if we're, you know, doing this for the sake of debate, I will say it'll come from the Atlantic Division. I was going to say, right now Boston's going to play Toronto if the season was then today. Yes. Boston should dispatch of Toronto. Should. Should. Uh, doesn't mean that they will. And Tampa Bay is going to get a Metro Division team that's been playing playoff hockey since, what, mid-January to try to get into yeah. – the postseason. I'm they're going to have. They're going to get, uh, in all likelihood, um, they they lead. They have seventy five points. The yeah. Caps have sixty five. So in all likelihood, Tampa Bay is going to draw um, uh, the second wild the second card wild card team. team that, you know, it, looking at the standings right now is going to be a team that, as you said, is basically going to scratch and claw their way into the playoffs. Might even come down to the last game of the season. So they're going to get a team that's just been in a dogfight for months, is going to be in that playoff mentality, and could make it interesting. I mean, Tampa's going to be a tough, tough team to beat. We've seen that, you know, we've seen that in Tampa Bay. We've seen that here. Uh, Tough team to beat. But, you know, they're going to draw a a good team, a good team that's been playing playoff hockey. Perhaps it's the Hurricanes. Perhaps the Hurricanes could could make some noise – no pun intended, again, lightning hurricanes, gotcha. um, uh, against Tampa Bay in the playoffs. So, um, but, yeah, I'm going to stick with my uh, my theory and say it's uh, it'll be Tampa Bay, Boston, or Toronto probably. All right. There you go. Not too bad. I, I, don't, I mind. don't think any of those are Atlantic. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind taking that back. I yeah. think that I'll be uh, all right on that one. And as Chuck Caton would say. Crowd noise only. Oh. Well, he would say that too. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Anything can happen in the playoffs. Yes. Once you get in. There. That's and that's the thing. You just have to get in. It's you say it in any sports. You play the regular season and you get into the playoffs and everybody's reset to zero and zero. All right. Anything else we want to get to hockey wise on the K 
Kane's Cast, episode 28. Well, do you want to answer some questions yeah. uh, real quick? I, we got a lot of questions. Um, do you want to just want, <laughs> do you just want to put it out there that some of these questions we can't really have a definitive answer for? Most of them real. So really. it's not that it's not that we're ducking the question. We're just kind of on the line of we'll do our best to answer it, but or it's just that we aren't the people to provide those answers. Like, you know, we we say we sort of tongue in cheek say we don't know anything. They don't tell us anything. Yeah. But in some of these questions cases, I mean, that's the God's honest truth. Yeah. Like it's you know, I don't we don't know what what Ron Francis is thinking, what kind of calls he's making in his office, what, you know, head coach Bill Peters and his coaching staff are running through in the coaching room. You know, we know as much as they tell us and and you know, and what we can yeah. glean from from seeing practice and just being around the team. Look, I would love to tell you that Ron Francis has the hotline to the Webb's Michael Smith and, and myself and he yeah, runs we, we have a group chat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he'll he'll run ideas past us. It doesn't work that way. We we cover the team. We are team employees as people I don't think people are always sure of that, but we're yes. team employees, so there's only so much they tell us and lots of times we find out when the press release is coming out that's written up by uh, the PR department that's given to Michael Smith and you know maybe we get 5 minutes heads up over everybody else that something is coming down the line. So we'll do our best to answer these honestly that we can get into. But this one comes in from Uni HQ. Will the new owners spend more to make the team better or will the Hurricanes always be one of the 2 to 3 teams that spend the least? I think that Tom Dundon has a commitment to win. I loved in his press conference when he officially became the majority owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. This isn't about money to him, to a point, what he said. To a point. He said he's not going to cut stupid checks, but yeah, he's going to spend money. He wants to win. This is a man who's fueled by winning. He was, if you read any articles about him, he was about as competitive as a person as you can get, and he's about winning. So you can see him spending, I think, a little bit more on the roster and and that's going to be something that will be interesting to see because will a new owner maybe make the Carolina Hurricanes more attractive to free agents? We'll see. But I, I think that Tom Dundon is committed to winning, and if that means spending more money to make this team better, he's already already willing to spend money to make the arena better. So I can definitely see him willing to spend money to make the on-ice product a little bit better. I'm going to basically group a lot of questions into one uh, because we got a lot of questions about potential roster changes, yep. whether that's through um, you know, just inserting the three guys who are healthy scratches the last few games. That would be Klaas Dahlbeck, Phil DiGiuseppe, and Josh Juris. Uh, whether it's them, whether it's a trade, whether it's a call-up from Charlotte, all of these questions, uh, we got you know variations of them all. Uh, not the easiest to answer them all. I mean, obviously, the um, the easiest answer or uh, the most immediate solution is going to be getting Dahlbeck, DiGiuseppe, and Juris, or you know, any one of those three or all three into the lineup just to inject um, some energy, just to inject yeah. uh, some competition amongst uh, the group of players that is in the, the lineup on a nightly basis. Uh, a call-up from Charlotte is going to be, um, I think, the next option. The thing to consider there is the Hurricanes are carrying 23 players on their active roster, so there would probably be a waiver situation. Needed. The only player I think who can be sent down to Charlotte and not have to go through waivers right now is Hayden Flurry. So um, that's something. Well, among and I think anybody who's on their entry-level deal. 
right? So Sebastian Ajo, we're talking about Noah Hannafin. Those those guys, guys on their entry level deal, they can be sent down to Charlotte. And then a tra- those guys aren't being sent right. down to Charlotte. And then a trade would be uh, really your your next option, and and that's where you know that's where we don't really know. No. Um, you know where do we even begin? Because I, I'll, let me let me just let me take this one for you. Okay, thank you. I feel like I'm Will Ferrell in old school. I'll take this one if you don't mind, Jimmy. It comes down to Ron Francis and the executives for this club are probably, as we are recording this podcast and well after we're done recording this and you're listening to it, are exploring every option to make this roster better. But it's not going to come at the expense of giving up something that they feel is going to help this team long-term for something that's a short-term solution. And that was made abundantly clear, and I think we can revisit it now. Remember at the start of the year, Michael? Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne. Kane's going to go, Matt Duchesne. Kane's and Matt Duchesne. Everything seems to line up for that. That's what everybody was saying. Ron Francis at, I believe it was Summerfest, said, we are not going to give up long-term assets for something that we don't think is going to be here long-term. And by the way, ask the Ottawa Senators how Matt Duchesne is working out for them. How did that deal go? And Colorado is the one laughing all the way to the bank. And Nashville's pretty happy, too, with Kyle Turris in the middle. But that's one of those things. I don't think you're going to see the Canes make a deal for a rental player unless that rental player makes absolute sense for this team to be in the playoffs. But you're not going to see them give up guys who they are banking on to be a future of this team for the next five, six, ten years down the road. But I can assure you, front office is taking a look at every, yeah, every opportunity for sure. to improve this team. But remember, if it does happen, a little caution here, if a trade does happen, you can't bemoan what's given up for it. Because if you wanted to see a trade, you can't sit there and say, well, why'd they trade this guy? you, you got to give to get, especially in today's NHL. Uh, we've got a, a rules question. Did we? I think we answered all of those things right there. Uh, yeah, I that hope. was a lot of questions we answered. With just one fell swoop. Yep. Probably not satisfactory for some, I, but it's to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. I've got a rules question. Yes. This is from Tom. Hand pass. What's the rule? I can. This is real simple. Yes. Uh, hand pass, if it's in the defensive zone, I can use my hand as long as I don't close my hand on top of the puck, keep like a flat hand. I can pass it to Michael Smith to get it out of the zone. I can bat the puck out of the zone. If it's in the neutral zone or in the attack zone, if I use my hand to get the puck to a teammate, that blows the play dead. It's an illegal forward pass or an illegal pass, and it brings the – if it's in the attack zone, brings the face off outside of the zone. If it's in the neutral zone – they just blow it down dead there. And so uh, I, this question might stem from yesterday. I believe it was Trevor Van Riemsdyk broke his stick or was without a stick and gloved a puck out of the zone, and then Joachim Nordstrom touched it in the neutral zone, and it was blown dead there. That was because even though the the hand pass started in the defensive zone, it still ended up on a hurricane stick in the neutral zone. Yeah. So had a, um, had a San Jose Shark touch the puck, uh, the play, play would have continued. It would have been fine. But Joakim Nordstrom touched the puck. That's a whistle, not a penalty, just a whistle. Stoppage of play, face off. Um, so yeah, that's the rule. Pretty pretty straightforward. Among yep. among the rules that are that are in place in the National Hockey League, uh, that's one of the more I think clear cut ones. Uh, Reed Schaefer, how many Herbies did they do at practice today? This coming off of the movie Miracle, they did a few. Just put that out there. Did a few, which is not exactly. They didn't do the. 
blue line back, red line back, blue line back, far goal line back. But they they did skate hard today. Uh, Katie Davis, she has a, a question at KTD21. My question is why? My answer, why not? Uh, that's a deep question. Why not? Yeah, why not? You got anything else? That's nope. usually mine. When people say why, I usually come back with why not. Yep. So here we are. I That's think, it? Uh, yeah. Do you we, got anything else that you want to answer? I think uh, we answered them all. Yeah, more roster questions. Uh, sh- oh, shout out to John Forslund for uh, – it was about 6 o'clock um, on Sunday when I was sitting on my couch, and I think I was probably scrolling through Twitter. That's usually what I'm doing if I'm not looking at the television. Um, and I heard John Forslund's voice. And my ears perked up and, and uh, saw on the screen it was a, a YouTube TV commercial, um, and it featured uh, John Forslund's call. So at 6 o'clock on NBC, I would have to imagine there were a lot of ears around the country that heard that one. Pretty cool. It's always very cool. And uh, John Forslund, I guess we should mention too probably, um, will not be calling the game on, on Tuesday. We'll have uh, Jason Shia from Charlotte back here. Uh, calling the game on Fox Sports Carolinas on Tuesday when the Hurricanes host the Philadelphia Flyers at PNC Arena. Puck drops shortly after 7 p.m. And good news. I can share with everybody, you know, the construction that was going on out there? Yes. Carolina Hurricanes on Twitter at NHL Canes shared it with you. The Hurricanes are going to have a shorter route to get to the ice. They're not going to come out from behind the bench or through through the Olympia entrance. They're going to come out through the corner which I stand at. So we'll see how that affects everything for me. <laughs> Are you getting evicted? I think uh, you're still there. You're just uh you might have a smaller space. Oh, it's it's looks it's like fine. your riser disappeared. Uh it'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No. I am generally I'm not there when they take the ice anyway cuz I'm coming from the concourse That's down true. to the to the lower Where section. you and Shane uh Willis do the pregame show, but I guess uh Shane also leaving for Quebec on yes, Wednesday. Yes, he is as he is going to take the Junior Hurricanes up to the biggest peewee tournament in the world and bring home some hardware. And you can follow that journey along on Twitter, at Junior Canes Quebec. Um, always a fun tournament. Um, Shane Willis and, and his staff do a great job up there. Um, you know, these little kids, very talented. Steven Rice's son plays on that team, uh, who is Steve has helped me as a former co-host on Hurricanes Live that you can see when I'm not writing, and a few other places in between but he's a a great guy a wealth of hockey knowledge and man youth hockey in this area folks what a good time to get your kids involved in a great game because of the coaches and the ambassadors who are there to help out from Shane Willis to Eric Cole to Stephen Rice I mean there are just so many great former NHL players or great people who have just taken the time to teach the game It's, it's a lot of fun and they as Michael just said they do a lot of Excellent work with these kids to teach them how to play the game the right way. So go up there and go bring back the trophy. Yep. I, I think we covered. Bon uh, chance. There we go. Good luck. Baguette. That's bread. Fromage. Cheese. <laughs> Zutalor. Rats. <laughs> okay, I think we covered all the questions. Actually, <laughs> actually, this is a, a good segue into By the. By the way, I did say Zutalor in Montreal in the. Uh, the people who are part of, you know, I have stage folks who make sure lighting's there, cameras there, and I said that. They're like, what do you know in French? And I said that, and like, I, I have not heard that since I was in the fourth grade. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> Our French is outdated, I guess. Oh, my, I can <laughs> tell you mine is. So. Uh, we did get one question, um, or maybe I just got it, but it leads into the, I guess, uh, more pop culture uh, uh, part of the podcast. We do that? What did you think of the Solo tra- trailer? I'm oh, sorry, I can't even talk. Uh, that's from uh, Knuckle Puck um, Von Gut. Wow. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, I, I believe that's, that's I believe that's a reference to the Mighty Ducks. Mm. So you know. Yeah. At Kurt Persig is his Twitter handle. All right. So I liked the teaser that was shown in the Super Bowl better than the full trailer. I yeah, I kind of agree. When the teaser aired, uh wasn't expecting it for one. Um Yeah, neither we, was I, because all of a sudden I'm kinda on the couch and didn't really I didn't have a rooting interest in the big game. Right. The other well, night, and so. we were, you know, we we heard that the trailer would be released on Monday on Good Morning America, so it wasn't, uh, weren't really expecting it. The teaser happened, and I was like, oh, okay, uh, you know, this is uh, kind of nice. Looking forward to the the full trailer. Then the trailer dropped today, uh, Monday, February fifth, and I was kind of like, uh, okay, I'm gonna see it. I'm going to see it the week that it hits theaters for sure. Are you going to, if we get a chance to see it together, are you going to bypass that the way you did for The Last Jedi? My wife. You could still go see it with her. That's true. I went and saw I went and saw Last Jedi with my wife like a few weeks after I'd seen The Last Jedi, and she was cool with it. Your wife is a very nice lady. She is. And she's understanding. I don't think she listens to this. That's we'll fine, but I'm complimenting that. I'm complimenting yeah, you your are. wife. She isn't first off, she said I do to you. So right then and there. <laughs> just like mine said I do I to this over her. here. <laughs> exactly. We have won. We've both won. Now well, okay, so the trailer. Uh, Han Solo not being Harrison Ford, I think, is... Uh, that's going to be the biggest hurdle for right. me. And can Alden Ehrenreich, I believe I'm that's pronouncing his name that correctly... Is, you're right. Can he act? Because his line reading in the trailer was not great. He only had one line where I went, ooh, it's kind of good. I'm going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. Yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah, okay. I can see young Han Solo saying that, but... Now, Donald Glover as Lando, I'm all aboard for that. Yes. I kind of wish it was his movie. I kind of wish it was a Lando, Lando movie. movie. Yeah, well, Lando, maybe he, maybe a Star he, Wars story. Maybe he steals it. We'll see. He might. Woody Harrelson pops up in Woody it too. Woody Harrelson. So because when I saw the trailer, I, when I saw the teaser, I'm like, hey, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. He's like in everything now. He's actually in this edition of Gainscast. Yeah, he'll, he'll make an appearance later, or maybe he already did. Exactly, like the tie dad. Like the tie dad. <laughs> Um, Still haven't determined if this is Kane's cast episode 28 or a tight ad yet. Our clothes are rather clean. They are, actually. Uh, I liked a few of the shots. I th- That that shot of the Star Destroyer, like in the hurricane thing, um, which maybe is ends up being the Kessel Run. I don't know. Um, well, remember, the Kessel Run is a distance, not time. It's a unit of measure, not time. So, so if you make the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, they're mapping this out. It's going to be like miles. Like, I made it to here to whatever in less miles than you could do it. Not the former coach of LSU. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm totally going to see it, and it might end up being okay. It'll probably end up being good, actually. I'm going to go in with no expectations. Yeah. Because I find when I do that for movies, I come out and I enjoy them. Because Rogue One, no expectations for that movie. See, I was kind of different because when I saw the trailer for Rogue One, I was hype. I, you yes, know, the, you were. The trailer dropped, 
and it was great, and I loved it. And then the last shot with Darth Vader, and I was like, yes, let me see this yesterday. The trailer for Solo dropped, and I'm like, uh, you know, okay, I'll see you on Memorial Day. No, I'll, I'll just go back to this. And again, folks, we get tricked by movie trailers at times. Yes. I had heard, oh, Rogue One, they went back and reshoots, and it's just been a disaster, and it's been a mess, and this and that. And then the trailer came out, and I'm watching it. I'm like, eh, eh. And then Darth Vader pops. I'm like, ooh, okay, well. Now you have my curiosity. Uh, <laughs> you had like, my attention, yeah. but now you have my curiosity. Speaking of good movies, that's a great movie. No, I need to see that once, though. <laughs> uh, that's Django Unchained, yes. if you didn't figure that one out. So this one, it had me, like I said, perk up with that line. I'm going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. But the full trailer didn't do much for me. So no expectations. Yeah, And I'm you're sure... playing one of the most iconic characters a most beloved character in nerddom, because that's what I'll call it. That's what we are. We nerd out about this. For sure. So that's it. And and Han Solo, uh, as a character, is so tied to Harrison Ford that it's going to be tough to separate um, Alden Ehrenreich's younger version with with the, the Han Solo we all know and love. Two words for you. I know. There we go. That's... That's the way to end that conversation. Quickly, before we get out of here, um, uh, commercials that were seen on Sunday night during the football game. I don't know if we can say the Super Bowl, can yeah, we? Whatever. I don't know. Sue Big us, game. NFL. Fine. Yeah. Actually, no. Yeah, don't. No, please, please don't. don't. Please don't. We know that you're not afraid to. Just say the big game. That's fine. The Tide ads were great. Yeah. The NFL ad with the New York Giants, and they How finally f- at the end of it, Odell Beckham Jr. and Eli Manning reenact Dirty Dancing. Which I was laughing my head off hysterically. My wife thought it was hilarious. So yeah. my wife was like, "Oh, I hope they do the jump." And then, oh, you had to. The, yeah, you knew exactly. there was a point when he turned around and yeah. the jump was coming. Now I, they have to do that if they actually feel I Manning's actually the quarterback for the Giants this year. Funny that now the NFL is uh, touting that it's uh, fun again. Yeah. Well, that's go what figure. Trying to do. Um, uh, other than that, I mean, there were some good ones, but oh, nothing. Peter Dinklage and uh, Morgan Freeman—that was rapping tremendous. was yeah. spectacular. <laughs> the, uh, the Tide ads, the Tide ads, because they tied into everything, it, like to every everything. Super Bowl ad ever. It felt like it was very so. meta in that way. Wow, look at you! Yeah, it was it was good. I really liked it. I I feel like there was one more that I liked that I can't uh, think of right now. It'll come to me. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not happening on the podcast, so it doesn't matter then. That's true. So, all right, let's do this because we have the technology. Let's find out as I go to the old Google and do the best Super Bowl ads. What did you think of the um, – I said the word again. I'm sorry. What did you think of the halftime show? I thought it was fine. I don't I don't think it was the best thing I've ever seen, but I thought it was just fine. I like Justin Timberlake. I like the fact that he went into the crowd. I don't think that uh, – I didn't flip out the way most people did – that he did the Prince tribute. I, think I wish he would have picked a different song. Yeah. But nonetheless, it was pretty good. Here's the thing about the Prince tribute is you're paying homage uh, to one of the, the greatest artists in the city that, you know, he's born in. Yeah. So I, I don't see any problem with it at all. The uh, Eminem where the red Eminem turns into Danny DeVito. Yes, Danny DeVito as a red Eminem was something I didn't know I needed to see. Until I look I good. Saw <laughs> you might want to look again. Uh, let me think what else is here that we're looking at. Uh, people like the Doritos versus uh, Mountain Dew. Oh, Chris Pratt as an extra in oh, the Mick Ultra. But I'd, I'd actually, the, they were airing that before. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Did you see there was a setup? 
Mm-mm. where Chris yeah, yeah. Pratt says, I'm going to be in a Mick Ultra commercial. They picked me. My agent got it. And he starts working out. So there was a lead up to it. And then they actually got to it. That was the one that had me laughing yeah. hysterically because I kept looking. Chris Pratt was in everything as an extra. And at the toast at the very end, he's like, oh. <laughs> like still reaching to get on camera. Yeah. That was outstanding. That was good. Uh, the Alexa loses her voice. Was Alexa. Good. Alexa was very good. Jeff Bezos, actually a pretty good actor in his in his own commercial. I know. I'm not the biggest Gordon Ramsay fan. But was... when the guy asks for how do you make a grilled cheese the recipe's in its name <laughs> um, 35 years old <laughs> how do you not know and then later on where it's jb schmoove and um well, i'm blanking on the name yeah. i had it all day from uh, saturday night live oh leslie jones leslie yeah, jones yeah. <laughs> who's alexa you are um it yeah, was those two are great it was uh, i still feel like there's one more that i'm not thinking of um Oh, the Groupon commercial. The Groupon was good. Yep. Really liked the Groupon commercial. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Yeah, that's about it. The rest of them were just so-so. Yeah. Tide was Tide was the clear winner. But I can tell you that uh, Amazon uh, Amazon Prime is going to get me to watch another series. Besides, I am Jack right Ryan. in the middle of Bosch. Yes, Jack Ryan. With... How about Netflix dropping a movie right after the Super Bowl? Good for them. That's... Why not? What, the Cloverfield Paradox? Yep. I wanted to watch it last night, and instead I went to bed. I did not, because I did not watch Cloverfield. I did not watch 10 Cloverfield Lane, so why should I watch a paradox of Cloverfield? Cloverfield was very good. 10 Cloverfield Lane was very good. (sighs) And I've heard uh, Cloverfield Paradox, not very good. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, here's my thing with the handheld point of view movies. I don't get motion sickness, but after seeing the Blair Witch Project, which makes me about 100 years old now, uh, going through a movie where the camera's like that, I'm like, no, I don't. So need just that. Cloverfield is like that. Ten Cloverfield Lane's more st- more story based with John Goodman. Yeah, I know, but I'm, it's more of like a well. And the fact go that, watch it for yourself. You know, T.J. Miller is the guy holding the camera in all of Cloverfield, the narrator, if you will. It's a good movie. That's what they say. I think it's ten years old now. I think they said that last night on the commercial. Which, uh, ooh, we're getting old, buddy. Yeah, it happens. Yes, we are. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of What a Good Way to End the Podcast here. Womp womp. <laughs> By the way, this has not been a tie dad. We're getting old. That's the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it for the web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. And sometimes in print, I guess. Now, nobody told me. Now and forever. <laughs> exactly. Amen. We'll <laughs> do this again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.